We are uh, members of the Knoxville Game Design uh, Meetup Group, and we've done quite a bit of game jams. Uh, if you live in Knoxville, uh, the website is right there on the screen, knoxgamedesign.org. We meet once a month on the second Sunday. You're more than welcome to come out, whether you're more art-inclined, developer-inclined, whether you just want to get into maybe writing game reviews and just want to hang out and talk with developers and thoughts on how to write a better game review. Anything is open uh, there. So the topic of this po um, panel is going to be um, game jams. And going down here, I'm going to ask these guys sitting here with me on the panel their experiences and the game jams we've got. And also, um, we'll take your questions. So if you want to send a question to the panel, I'm going to kind of moderate on the fly. We don't have a lot of time. Um, and we're recording this for our podcast that we do as well. So just send me a tweet. Um, just tweet at Vinal. Uh, you can throw that hashtag, what did I put up there, Game Jam, uh, and your question um, in there. And then, you know, I'll use that to, to get to it. I can't promise we have time to get to every question. But um, to start off, I'm just going to go down the line here. I'm going to start with Levi and then Dylan, uh, then Jacob, and then Jeffrey. You guys just give a quick introduction. Okay, hello, everyone. My name is Levi Smith, and been developing games for almost over 20 years now. Started out with QBasic on my 386 computer, doing some simple RPGs and things like that. So I've been doing this for a while, not professionally or anything, pretty much just as a hobby. But I do have games on the Xbox 360 using the Xbox Live Any Game Marketplace, which will be shutting down in a couple of years. So I grab them while they're still out there. I uh, also have games on the Windows Store, Google Play, and free game hosting sites like Itch.io, Game Jolt, Congregate, and Newgrounds. So be sure to check out my games there. And I think over the past like three years, I've developed over 40 games. So uh, that's basically... Did, did you shout out your website? Uh, I don't think so. LeviDSmith.com. And I also have flyers over there right, and excellent. cards. So. We've been working on promotion. That's been like the last couple of months of like self-promoting. So we're getting into it. How about uh, you, Dylan? I'm Dylan Wolf. I've been developing since probably I was in school using QBasic. Um, my day job is .NET, WPF, SharePoint, things like that. But I do a lot of XNA. I started out doing XNA. Um, game development i've gotten into unity i've been doing game jams for maybe a year year and a half so that's kind of where i am um i'm jake turnmeyer and i i do make i make games i made them like since i was in the fourth grade at the age of eight and i my first game my first the first game i made for a game jam was just well a long time ago when i was in the fourth grade and I didn't start in. I kind of. I started with Game Maker, and I still mostly use Game Maker for most for the games I create. I did make one game with a different with RPG Maker, but it didn't really last very long. So yeah. I'm Jacob. Uh, Jacob's dad, Jeffrey Turnmeyer. Um, I I guess I started when I was like five in the early '80s on an 8086 in regular Basic, not Q Basic, and uh, I. It's just a hobby for me. I'm a civil engineer by job and day and everything like that. And I, I'm mostly uh, in it for him, bring him out and uh, support him. But uh, I've participated in one jam independently and wrote my own game. And I've got a little bit of experience. Uh, mostly I just get his stuff up on the web and uh, that's uh, how I participate. And your one game was like the most dad game of games. It was, it was a game about mowing the lawn. <laughs> 
Mowing an endless world of grass. <laughs> um, an endless grass mower. Um, so uh, I'm Michael Neal. Um, like Jeffrey, I started out in basic. My thing was I was programming Choose Your Own Adventure books. I would take those books and turn them into basic programs. So um, IP content, uh, copyright, you know, violations are out the gate. Um, I got really heavy into it, like these two guys uh, with me here on XNA, when we could make games for the Xbox 360. That was sort of a wonderful moment that you could just turn your home console into a full-blown game programming development environment. Um, so I have a day job to C-sharp.net. So when XNA died down, Unity is mono. Um, so that's .NET and C-sharp. So that sort of made the natural transition there. I also do a lot of... Um, community outreach through Technology Cooperative, and I do that through teaching games. So bring kids into programming by saying, hey, do you want to make a game? Let's grab anything from Scratch to Game Maker to Unity, whatever they are at skill-wise. We can find a game framework. They can start making their games, um, get them on their old devices, get them on the web. So that's kind of my experience here. So at this point, I'm going to just keep, I'm not going to start with the same person each time. So now I'm going to start with Dylan. And um, what are your memories of your first game jam? What are the impressions and memories you have? Um, that I didn't actually make what would be considered a game. Like yeah. the first theme You know, was... I should stop. We haven't actually explained game jam. Um, I just assumed everybody would know what that term meant. Uh, a game jam is a short time period. It can be up to a month, but most of them are a weekend to a week. And there's a theme given out and announced. This is the theme, or this is the mechanic, or this is whatever the, the binding point of the game jam is. This could be just a simple topic, or sometimes it could be like the Star Trek game jam, you know, and make a game that fits the Star Trek universe, you know, what would people in Star Trek play. Uh, and then you basically have the weekend to make the game and then upload it to a site. And then normally after the game jam ends, everybody who participated takes time out, plays everybody else's games, and leaves comments. So it's a very um, supportive community for the most part because it's not uploading your game to the broad internet, although you can do that, and taking random comments. You're taking comments and feedback from people who also permit, participated in the game jam. So it's a lot more self-selective and a lot more understanding and a lot more encouraging because just completing a game in a weekend is an achievement. So I'll hand it back over to Dylan. Um, well, it wasn't really a game. Like, I knew I didn't have the whole weekend. The theme was 10 seconds, so I made some dumb little game where balloons popped up on the screen for 10 seconds and then would disappear for 10 seconds, and you had to adjust to it. Um, the thing I really learned was, you know, how to kind of polish out a, a game concept into a full game. And also, I think that was when you started, like, oh, you, I didn't know you could do the hipster art style. Yes. <laughs> Okay, Jacob. Well, my first for my first game jam, it was you only had one, and so I chose you only had one life. I also made it to where you only had one weapon, and kind of just encompassed it where you had one hero, hero and one villain, and you had to use your one health get through the entire game. You had to get to the game using one weapon, which was a sword, and you had to kill enemies with it. And any time an enemy would touch you, you'd just instantly be dead. And my impressions for a game jam and how to my impression for a game jam was like it was it's like it, it was easy but it was kind of hard like it's hard to make the game but it's easy to kind of like grasp the theme and the concept 
which I thought was pretty interesting. Go ahead. All right. Um, my first experience, you know, I'd helped him get through a couple jams, uh, and uh, I've been meeting with these guys for years before I finally, they encouraged me enough to jump into one. And uh, it was a lot of work to, uh, I, had, I don't code for a living, I, you know, so I jumped into Unity and decided I was going to do that. I do know C, I, I had a minor in computer science in college, but, uh, you know, I was, it was just a lot of, you know, I, I probably spent three quarters of my time debugging and that really ate up a lot of the extra plans I had, the polish that I had to put into the game. But, uh, you know, two days, you know, they announced the topic for the one I participated in on Friday night at 9 o'clock, and we had to have it in on Sunday. And uh, yeah, that, that, it's just amazing how short a time that gets to be, especially when you've got a family and doing a bunch of other stuff. Uh, you know, the biggest impression to me was just short on time. Uh, I, I had huge plans compared to what actually happened. Uh, I did a lot of hand-drawn art and scanned it in and then converted it over in uh, Photoshop. And uh, these guys really liked the art style I did. They thought it was unique. It was kind of like Dr. Katz, if you've seen that on HBO, that kind of squiggly line thing. I, I, I flip sprites a lot. And uh, it, it, I don't know. It was uh, pretty interesting. Like they said, I did a mower game. It was just an infinite. You, all you had to do was drag your mouse around. The mower would follow you. He'd mow over creatures, and uh, it was, <laughs> they, they liked it. Uh, some of the comments I felt were a little cruel for my first game. Uh, you know, people were like, this is not a game. This is, you know, a, a waste of time or whatever. But uh, I, had, I had scoring, kind of. It just didn't get fully implemented. Uh, like I said, it was just really short on time. It was... <laughs> Those comments can be cruel. <laughs> Nobody likes mowing the lawn. Um, so what you saw me run around was just a panic moment when you realized the power strip the conference gave you wasn't plugged into anything, um, and you just have a heart attack because you have a, you know, a ton of power drain connected to the laptop. My first jam, um, the theme, I think, was simplicity. Minimalism. Minimalism, minimalism. And so I had never used Unity before, and I'm sort of crazy where I said, for this game jam, I'm going to learn Unity and make a game all on the weekend. Um, and that's kind of crazy, and everybody says don't do that, you should know ahead of time, but you don't have a lot of time. And that sort of like made me focus on learning it, and you know, Unity is .NET and C Sharp and it's scripting. I made a ton of horrible errors, but I ended up making a little mock simple version uh, in 3D of the Atari Classic Adventure. Um, so I had the Yellow Castle, you had to go find the chalice and bring it back to the Yellow Castle. Uh, and then I also ripped off some blue blobs from, um, what was that, JRPG, Dragon Warrior, um, and just threw those in there for good measure, because I didn't have time to make a duck dragon. Um, my 3D skills weren't there yet. Um, <clears throat> but from that, I really enjoyed being able to say, okay, family life in three months is this game jam we're going to do. So I'm calling this weekend mine three months from now, so that everything can be planned around it. And then of course, somebody will have a birthday then or something, you know, they, they change their birthdays or their anniversaries to my weekend. So it's not truly a game jam if I'm not going over to some birthday in the middle of it. Um, but that's just a nice break from everything else going on, you know, that you can just carve ahead of time, you know, like uh, the, the Stephen, Covney, big rocks in first, right? Well, this isn't a 
important big rock, but just by saying, this weekend is for my game jam, um, is a lot of relief. And just like a, a known vacation coming up, and you can just look forward to it and say, like, I don't know if I'm going to make a game this weekend, but I know this weekend I'm going to have a lot of fun figuring it out. How about you, Levi? Yeah, so I thought there was like two different ways I could answer this. Now, the first game competition I was involved with, and I know you guys were involved with this as well, was the Dreamville Play in 2012. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And that was like over like a few months. So I really didn't consider that as a game jam, but it was a competition where you submitted your games. They got like displayed by Microsoft and everything. So I did a short puzzle game called Resistor. My first like true game jam was also the Ludum Dare, which is like the biggest game jam out there, aside from maybe Global game jam but uh ludum dari is definitely a lot more accessible for just like single developers and uh it was also the minimalism theme so i was thinking who is more minimalistic than the amish so i made a game where you play an amish guy with a little black hat and he walks around the farm and he tries to get all the sheep back to the barn so as you increase the levels then you get more sheep that you have to send back to the barn so i had a really good good time making this game i always liked mike i started learning Unity a couple of days before because at the time Unity gave you an advantage because you could actually publish a 3D game into a web browser so you, anybody could play your game on the web. That really doesn't work the same way anymore using HTML5 but uh, some of the things I learned from that, uh, I did my own music using actual guitar. I haven't done that again since because that takes a lot of time but that was fun doing that and also like making the sound effects like the sheep sound uh, just made a ball sound into the microphone, changed it up in Audacity. Audacity is a uh, sound modification tool that's free for everyone out there. So, yeah, had a really good time making that, and that's about it. Yeah, so um, some of you guys, especially Levi, Dylan, and uh, Jacob, they have trademarks almost to their game, and Levi's thing is voice acting. Oh. Like Levi, and we, we openly encourage this. We have we've openly encouraged this to have Levi at least voice act something in his game. Uh, Dylan has a guitar riff that he's played, um, a very acoustic, hipster, little indie riff. You know, uh, there might be a certain movie I'm invoking here. Um, I actually don't know what you're talking okay. about. Okay, um, that's probably for the best. And... Um, Jacob's games um, are really very avant-garde. Like, they're elaborate stories behind every one of those games. So uh, it's uh, Jacob's turn here to go first, and you get the really existential deep question, why do you do game jams? Well, I do game jams because then I can make games and put them out there because it's a, I mostly do a game jam so then I can put out my games. It's just a simple thing to, like, know what's, like, to put out a game. So, like, it's fun. So then, like, I could put out a game and then judge other games to see how well they are and then, pro and then like, get inspiration from them to see if, how, to see if I can make a game that, has, that is like it but not entirely like it. Well, I'd have to say the reason I did a jam, uh, it always been on my bucket list to make a game. And that defined time frame for a start and end, a couple days, it really gave me the motivation to come up with the idea, make it, publish it, get it out there, and uh, that was like my experience. Plus, I've been helping him for a couple of years at the time, so I had a little bit of background and, you know, more foundation than I had earlier when I've, you know, just been in high school and everything and talked the big game, but never uh, 
had actually made a game. So, it, you know, I still come and support him, and, uh, you know, he, he has a lot of elaborate ideas. He, he sees games everywhere, and uh, I think the jams for him are really a, a motivator to put, put one out there and complete it. So, For me, um, I, mean, I talked a lot about the scheduling and the last thing, but also I have some really grand games I would like to make, a little bit larger in scope. Not insane, not something that some, one person couldn't do, um, but I'm afraid of starting those. Uh, everything I've learned studying game design and studying people that make games is anybody that has an overnight success, that's probably the 30th game they've made and shipped. Um, and I'm just sort of whittling down my number so that I'm learning all of these things on weekend game jams that I don't have a strong emotional attachment to um, and then can just take as a really good learning experience because I don't really, I'm not emotionally attached to the success of the game. It's not my dream game. So I can say, oh, well, this failed for these reasons and I can learn that and fold it in so that one of these days when I decide, yeah, I'm starting the big project, it involves mechs, by the way. When I'm starting the big project, um, I feel like I'll have 30 games experience under my belt to sort of know what some of the common pitfalls are. And then when that one fails, then I can cry to myself to sleep. <laughs> yeah, so I'm the same way. Basically, like building up a portfolio of games. So if like somebody asks, what have you developed? I can say, hey, here's a list of games that I've developed. Go check them out. And also, every time that I participate in a game jam, I like to learn something new. I try to do a new game engine every so often. Like I particularly do Unity, but sometimes I've done 2D games in Stencil and Construct 2. I've done 3D games in Unreal Engine and 2D games in uh, Game Maker. And I think the last one that I tried was the Godot, spelled Godot, G-O-D-O-T. Yes. That was a colossal failure, so I fell back on Game Maker for that time. So it's just like learning from mistakes like that and also like checking out what other developers have made, like the guys in the Knoxville Game Design Group, see what other people are doing, what technologies they're using, and things like that. Um, for me, kind of like what you guys have said, like it boxes you in. You don't have the blank page syndrome of, you know, what am I going to do? Um, but you also have a weekend and a theme. So that's kind of a defined scope. You know where to stop, to stop designing, to stop developing, to stop, you know, you kind of have to work at, you know, scope scaling down to what you can realistically do. Because um, that's where, you know. You learn the, a lot about project management yes. doing a game in a weekend. But that's where, like, everyone's like, precious baby project fails is you have this grand idea and, and you you don't, have to learn how to scope anything down uh, to, to get anything done. And the other reason I actually do kind of like, you know, releasing it, doing the, the rating thing on Let Them Dare. Not that I'm tied to the ratings, but it's kind of nice to see, okay, yeah, I feel like I am improving because, you know, my scores aren't, you know, all over the place. They're really focused. I'm, to me, I see that as like, yes, I'm learning how to build something that is cohesive and polished. So let's give a mid shout out to tweet any questions you've got. I know it seems like we're going pretty in sync, but we planned out some questions in ahead so we wouldn't be sitting here just coming up with stuff to talk about. So feel free to send a question and interrupt. Um, also, while I'm taking a, a mid check break here, um, the next meetup we have in August, which will be the second Sunday in August. I don't have the exact calendar date in front of me. Um, we will figure out what our August game jam is. So we've traditionally done 
uh, a game jam three times a year um, as part of the Knoxville game design group. Um, now, Levi, and I, I don't know if any others have, you can do more game jams, obviously. You know, you don't have to wait for us to decide to participate in one. Uh, and the one we've normally done is the Ludum Dare, I think is the proper pronunciation. It's spelled Ludum Dare. Yes, Latin for to give a game. So yes. There's been holy wars on how to pronounce it. How to pronounce it. it. It's a dead language, so you can't really argue it. Um, that's how that works, right? You can't say how I should pronounce a dead language, right? That's what that means. Um, but anyway, L-U-D-U-M-D-A-R-E uh, dot com. If you go there, you can sort of create an account and plug into a large Game Jam community. And they have a Game Jam three times a year. They do a polling for themes, and then they announce a theme on a Friday night, and then the games are usually done uh, due Sunday at 9 o'clock for us, um, 9 p.m., uh, for Eastern Standard Time for Knoxville. And so we usually sync up and participate with that. There's been some issues on the site, and they kind of want to retool it a bit, so they may or may not do a full-blown game jam this cycle. They may take the cycle off to do that, and then if that happens, the community's stepping in. So we're going to decide as a group kind of what we're doing. But if what we've talked about so far is interesting, come on out. Um, we're going to be doing one. We usually show up for the kickoff um, and then go home. Uh, we don't do the... The camp out, uh, many of us are older, and that's just non-appealing ideal versus our own beds and our own computer setups, you know. Uh, and then if we're going to collaborate with somebody on a jam, there's Skype, there's webcams, there's email, you know. This is a solved problem. We don't need to eat terrible pizza in a gym and sleep on a hard floor in a beanbag. Um, but Something I forgot to mention earlier, there are two types of competitions for the Ludum Dare. There's the compo, which you do everything yourself in 48 hours. Then there's the extended 72 hours, so you have until Monday. And you can use like pre-existing assets like art from the web and music and things like that, as long as they're all free and re- redistributable. Yes, and that makes it great if it's your first time. If you just want to download some Creative Commons stuff and use that in your game, that's totally legit and allowed. Um, there's a checkbox you want to check and say, no, I want to enter where I did everything. You know, every sound effect, every piece of art was me, you know. And that's usually like something you want to do maybe after you've done a couple. Um, there's no prizes. There's no money involved. You get a game. Your that's, game is your prize. Your game is your prize. Um, uh, both Levi and Dylan have commercially released games that they have created in Game Jams. So uh, with that, where are we at? We're on. Um, <laughs> uh, how do you prepare? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, why not? <laughs> how do you prepare for a game jam? What's your process? Years, uh, yes, I, your many years. Yeah, I spent many years coming to the meetings and. Uh, What's your process? Uh, really, I, I showed up on the Friday night uh, just with a rough, like trying to be a cl- clear head. You know, I didn't want to have any preconceived notion on what I was going to do. Um, I took the theme and, uh, you know, we were driving home. I was like, I guess it was, uh, what was it? Unusual weapon or something like that. Unconventional. Yeah. Unconventional, Unconventional weapon. Weapons. That's where I came up with the mower on, we were talking on the way home. I was like, well, what if your weapon was a mower? And Jacob was like, well, that'd be weird. And so then I ran with it and turned it into, that was my unconventional weapon. You know, I was fighting the yard animals with a, a mower and, uh, but, you know, just having a clear head was my biggest preparation for it. Um, I didn't even, you know, like uh, Michael said, he learned Unity 
that weekend. That was basically what I did. Uh, I guess I had gotten a tutorial from you before and uh, briefly ran through it just to, so I wouldn't you know, completely from scratch on Unity, but uh, I hadn't made anything my, on my own in Unity ever. And that's, you know, I just totally from scratched it. You know, clear head, clear mind, brand new program, and uh, just ran with it. <laughs> um, from, for me, um, when the theme's announced, I've, I've practiced on a, a, a discipline or whatever, I don't know exactly what you call it, a stream of conscious writing. And you can do this with a notebook or you can do this at a keyboard. Just whichever one, for me it's a keyboard, that just shows you my background. Uh, but whichever one allows you to, to disconnect the most. So, like, take Word and just go full screen with it so you see nothing else, just a complete blank page. And then, you know, you type in the theme, and then you just start typing. You cannot stop typing or writing, okay? You just have to keep writing. You cannot stop. And if the thing that's in your head right now is, I don't know what to write, then that's what you write. You know, you just write whatever train, stream of consciousness that you get to because you'll wear down... All your inhibitions that are like checking any ideas from coming to the surface, you know, like, ah, well, that's not, that's, that's not, that's not. You just have to keep typing, so you become desperate for something to type. And so anything that comes out gets down on the paper, and then you shut off that internal critic, and then all this crazy stuff just starts coming out. And you start laughing, and like, that's ridiculous. And, that's and then something, usually for me, the way it hits is something I come back to a couple of times as I'm writing it, you know? Um, and, and making that, and I'll come back to that subject again, and I'll come back to that subject again, and at some point, I'll just bite on that subject, and then just start writing out, well, if that's going to be the game idea, what's the game play? What's the player doing? How can we do this? And so, in a stream of conscience this way, I picked this up from uh, Tim Schafer. So, Tim Schafer of Double Fine, when they did Broken Age, I backed to get the documentary videos, which I think Broken Age is a decent game, great out of it. But I think the best thing that came out of that is the videos, which are now publicly available for free. So you can go look at the Broken Age documentary, and they brought in an actual documentary team to document the entire process. So it's really quality. You see all the strife. You see, like, none of this is filtered, okay? You see all the budget overruns. You see all the arguments. You get to see true game development. That was the point. So you can see what it really looks like. And he opens, like, in the first or second episode with one of his notebooks. He grabs down, that was Grim Fandango. And that's how he does it. He does it in your old composition notebooks is what he chooses to do. And you can just see page after page after page where he's filled. He just sits in his office nonstop. And then, like, by page, like, 15 in Grim Fandango, he has Skeleton Noir written and circled that, you know? Because it's like, oh, there's something with that. And you go on a couple more pages, and then there's like Grim this, Grim that, Grim Reaper, Grim this, Grim Fandango. And then he's like, starred that. And then you can go pages and pages more, and then he start like characters start appearing that made it into the game. And that was his process. And that's his process for most of his games, is to sit down in his office, fill these notebooks, and then go back over them later, and he just stars by it. Oh, that might be something, that might be something, that might be something. And he does this for Broken Age as well to come up with the concepts for the game. Um, and that's where I pick that up. So that's usually how I start. Um, if you're interested in how I actually view creating the game, I've got a session at Codestock tomorrow 
called Truth View Input, um, which is sort of my mental model for the pieces of the game and how they go into it, and that's sort of become my system. Um, and I go into a lot more detail there, but I don't want to take up too much more panel time. Let Levi get a chance to talk. Uh, so for me, I'm a little bit different. Uh, usually a few days before the actual jam starts, I decide on which tools I'm going to use and get a feeling on what type of game I want to develop, whether that's like a shooter. So sometimes I have the tendency of, of shoehorning a game type into the theme, just applying that type of game to the theme. And also the week before Ludum Dare, they have a warm-up, uh, kind of like small competition. It isn't graded or anything, but it's just to get something out there, make sure your tools are working also make sure that i have my streaming tool set up i know most some of us like do a live stream as we're actually developing over the weekend for the game jam then we go back and make a time lapse video so it really crunches that 48 hours down into like five to ten minutes so you can see the whole process of the game being developed uh, as far as the theme goes uh I meet these guys uh, the night when the theme is announced at 9 p.m. usually on Fridays. It's a bit of a drive for me over here, about 30 minutes. So that gives me some time to think about what I'm going to do with the theme, driving back home. So usually by the time I get home, I have an idea. And I'm, I'm unlike Mike. I usually take the first idea I have and I run with it. Uh, I know a lot of people say, oh, write down like the first 10 ideas and scratch them all off and take the 11th or something. But uh, I'm usually go with the first thing that uh, I think of. And also as I'm, and this includes the actual development of the whole. Yeah, 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 your process. Uh, yeah, okay. So the, my process for developing in a game, when I first started out, I would just get my basic models working when I wasn't as good uh, with tools like Blender, which is a 3D modeling program. I wasn't as good with texture mapping and rigging, so I'd work on that first because that's what I really wasn't familiar with. But now that I'm a little bit more experienced with developing games, I basically have the gameplay. That's the first thing that I focus on, getting that the core gameplay working. And I think that tends to lead to better games that I develop now. And then after I have the core gameplay working, I work on the art, like the sprites if it's a 2D game, or the models and texture mapping if it's a 3D game, and also the music, which I tend to do in GarageBand. Usually spend about an hour or two working on the music, and then after that I work on the sound effects, which is also a couple hours. Then after that, uh, usually a few hours I spend on testing the game to make sure it's working correctly and everything. So definitely lots of testing. Yeah, I have a process similar to Levi's. Uh, usually, I usually before Let Them Dares, there's a theme voting and they'll show results for each of the uh, rounds leading up to the final vote. Usually I'll go through some of them, kind of throw out an idea for each of the, the highest rated topics just so I've got something to pull from. Um, I don't do a whole lot of tests or a whole lot of preparation in terms of, you know, tools and ideas other than that. Like I think there's been a couple of times I've walked in with, you know, I want to make a puzzle game. Let's figure out how to do that and, you know, some of the basic concepts and then, you know, kind of shoehorn that into the theme. Usually what I do is I'm pretty much always using Unity and 2D, uh, well, not always 2D toolkit, but just a 2D Unity game. So I know kind of what I'm building towards. Um then the night that the theme's announced, I've got a 30, 45-minute drive home. I'll kick around a couple of ideas. 
usually when I get back, I have one that I want to play with. Friday night, I'll do some proof of concept things if there's something I'm not sure about or just to test out the mechanics. I'll usually build out a prototype game from there. Um, then by like Saturday afternoon, I'm starting on art. And then by Sunday, I'm doing sound effects and level design and music. So, you know, and if, if any of those things slip, then I kind of know I have to adjust. So when I'm preparing for a game and I hear the theme, I kind of just start thinking of like what I want to do and how the game is played. It's like, like when I hear the theme, I kind of just start like think, I just kind of get like, like a rush, I guess, of ideas that start going around in my head. And when I get home, I usually start, I usually start making the game that or just sleep and then start working the game on tomorrow, like tomorrow, like the day afterwards. So then I have rest and have thought more of what to do. That is a good strategy, is to actually not the first night go to 2, 3 a.m. Uh, and try, like, that Friday night, just cram as much as you can in. I think it's actually better to call it quits early and get up early on Saturday. And then in the shower, your QA department kicked in. And it's like, hey, you know those ideas last night? They weren't great. Maybe you should do this instead. And man, isn't it great you didn't spend up to 2 a.m. writing code down this path that you realize now in hindsight might not be the best? Um, that's happened to me several times to where I try not to um, do too much on I, I Friday night. To, I tend to do the just one more script. I'll just, I'll just, just write one, one more script, this one more feature. I'll just do this one more thing. So um, we a have lot of a, times Jacob's got a whole like set of papers notes and stuff written down and he doesn't make the game but he takes a bunch of notes before he goes to bed and he's got them where he can i've scanned them into several of the and shown them on a lot of the competition entries where he's you know made rough pixel art and on graph paper and stuff like that and uh, that's probably more disciplined than any of us have ever been <laughs> um and we probably should do that so um we got a a, a mike asked a twitter question um what types of games, genre, mechanic-wise, have you found that you like making or not like making, or it doesn't matter uh, from this? And since uh, Mike asked it on Twitter, I'll start with Levi. I'll skip me. Uh, so basically, it'd be easier for me to say what types of games I don't like making. I don't like making sports games. I tried doing one as like a medieval football game where you move to crystal around. I was like, yeah, this just isn't my type of game. I mean, I like Techno Tech Mobile for the NES, but sports games really aren't my thing. And racing games, I really don't find those interesting. But pretty much do everything else, puzzle games, RPGs, shooters, arcade-type games. I like them all. Um, I've done a lot of, I think I've done two match three games over the past however many jams I've done. Um, and I like them because it's, it's a basic mechanic that once you figure out how it works, you can do a lot of twists on it. I'm starting to like the idea of doing platformers more now that I've got kind of a handle on how to write that. Um, but usually it's just some weird, you know, casual style, mobile style game. As far as game jams go. So, like, I do like to make platformers. That's, like, one of the my, like, favorite kind of jo- like genre that I like that I would like to make. Because last time I made a game, 
like not the lot like earlier th this summer I made a game where I was a platformer and I kind of like that idea so I kind of like made a game similar to like having that platformer style except not really using the same exact code just like making it to where he would jump but yeah it also kind of like a surreal like mystery and puzzle kind of thing but like it goes deeper than what you think than when you actually think it is or like just have a game where it says it's one thing but it deceives you saying it's that and you play it's actually another like it might say it's a friendly platformer game when really it's a ter it's a terrifying just like i guess top down game instead it's just like a game that like trick you into like something else and it just makes you think it just makes you like i don't know it just adds like another like a level of mystery of how like there's something else hidden in it that just makes it, it cool i guess i i guess i'm the uh, <laughs> the weakest link here on this topic uh yeah. <laughs> i went for simplicity and that's all i really know as far as creating games in a jam uh yeah uh I have grand plans, of course, to keep going and you know do some more. But uh, as time allows, I'm sure I'll develop further. <laughs> A taste for what you like. Um, I love playing uh, puzzle games, um, especially any kind of lateral thinking or, or larger manipulations that you get complex. You know, I uh, love The Witness, and I have found out that I absolutely hate making puzzle games. But I cannot stop coming up with a novel idea for them. And it's because a puzzle game is 10% of coding of the puzzle game and 90% QAing the puzzles to make sure it actually does the thing you want it to do, right? Like, if this is the way you have to solve the puzzle, test the infinite combinations against it that that's the only way you can solve the puzzle so that there's not an accidental new solution that might not teach the player what you're trying to teach. Um... I, and after I do one of those, I just think, why can't I just do a platformer? Why do I have, like, this inherent, like, I'm not going to do just a platformer. That's lazy. I'm going to do this. And then halfway through the jam, I'm like, why don't I just do a platformer? It'd be more fun right now. I'd be enjoying it. Um, and what's worse is I put some of my puzzle games up after the jam, and they're totally, like, little mobile-friendly things that you would play. You know, they're the kind of thing you just pull out of your pocket. And like, oh, this is a cool little mechanic here i like this you should make the puzzle game and it's like no why would you say that to me do you hate me what why, why would you make me do this i don't want to see this ever again well mike likes to teach people how to play his game through playing the game no instructions he you know, his instructions are playing the game so that's uh through his puzzle games he does he wants the mechanic to be you know this is the only mechanic you're learning here. And, I'm very uh, anti-tutorial um, in games and in game design. I feel like if you're doing a tutorial, an explicit tutorial, you're giving away gameplay content. You could probably set up a level or a situation to teach double jumping or to teach how this enemy behaves. And that is engaging content for the player. Then they're going to feel like they figured it out. They solved it. Versus a text screen that says, hey, press A twice, and then this guy, you know, will die to your power stab. Like your last game was a shape flip game. It had no instructions at all. It's just like different colored shapes, and you click on one, then the other ones start flipping. You're like, what in the world's going on? So I had a really good, good time playing Mike's game. I, just, I had more fun trying to figure out the rules than actually beating the levels. And that's the downside, because if you could have solved it in a different way, I wouldn't have 
taught you the mechanic that was trying to get you so like the next puzzle gets more and more complicated. Um, if you know, I've, I've done this a little bit on shape flip, but if you really want to see this, you know, go play The Witness um, by Jonathan Blow, and just know that you're playing a puzzle game. Don't expect anything more from it. People expect more from it, sort of get frustrated with it. Just know you're playing puzzles, but every puzzle is teaching the next puzzle um, and just adding to it. And then your mind's blown of like, I could have done this from the beginning, but I just wasn't, it's like Portal, right? Portal does the same thing, you know? Now you're thinking in portals. By the end of the game, you're doing all these crazy things with portals to, you know, propel you and all that. You could do from the very start of the game, you just didn't know it yet, you know? And I love that gameplay. Um, but I gotta stop trying to build games like that because they're resource intensive. On the flip side to you, Jacob always has hidden stuff in his game that you may or may not ever even figure out. <laughs> Jacob is definitely the Dark Souls, like, go go to the wiki, and the community has, like, <laughs> torn apart this game and figured out every combination by brute force. He makes secret passageways and different, you know, all sorts of stuff that in his games that just, you know, so, so much story and depth that you don't even... <laughs> Like, in one game, you think you could just go through the entire, like, puzzle, but really, you could just go back, loop around the entire room, and then go from, the, like, the exit up through it. It's like, there. here's the thing, you think you can't go through here, but you can go around the entire room, and then go to the exit, and just go straight up through it, and that's how, it's like a secret passageway that I forgot to patch up. I was also, also going to say, when we all started on this, our games were very simple. I noticed Jacob's games, they have a lot more mechanics now. I think we've all yes. like gotten a lot better at doing this and making games that are much more fun to play now. There's a pre-Undertale and a post-Undertale line in Jacob's games that is very clear. <laughs> and one, now there was this one game I was working on. Well, I kind of forgot, and now that, it, now that I kind of got back to remembering it now, the game kind of had like, similar like, things to Undertale, but not like too similar. Like the fight or mercy thing or running into people. The game is like very, very just simple with like the fighting and running and like walking around and stuff. So, yeah, like Michael said, there's a fun, there's like a line that is like before Undertale and after Undertale. And that's it. Um, so uh, I'm going to start closing out here. Uh, let's start with, the, I don't know where I ended up. I think Dylan, you're next. Um, advice for people first time doing a game jam um i would definitely say learn your pick a tool unity game maker something like that learn it before the game jam because you're not you're not going to be able to to learn it during the weekend don't do what i said i did is right. what you're right <laughs> uh, but you know it's just one of those things like you want to be fluent enough in whatever tool you're using that you don't have to keep stopping referencing something figuring out that's not to say you have to know everything like levi was saying like we all have gotten better because we keep doing game jams and we're building more and more experience but at least have some or you're just going to be frustrated and you know if if you go in with a little bit of knowledge you may not make a, a great game but you're gonna feel like you've accomplished something whereas if you're just struggling with to learn a tool it's probably going to be more frustrating. So, when you're making a game jam, you don't, like, learn a new thing, like, learn an entire new software. You use a software you know how to use. If you don't know how to use a software beforehand, 
just learn of how to do it, like watch a video of how these things work. That, or if your last resort is to learn it while doing the game jam, then I'm afraid that's your last resort, because I can't say anything about say anything else than study it beforehand. It's like a test. You do you study it and then you do it. You don't not study and do it, which sometimes not studying actually does it. I, mean, I, I think I'll abstract a little bit from that. I think uh, the most kind of important thing to do is to figure out what your experience you want to get out of it. Um, I wanted to learn, make a game, and learn a tool. So I, that's kind of where I've headed with it myself. I met with a group that provided me some support and know-how you know, for a couple of years before I ever really jumped in. I think finding a group and uh, getting your base and getting a plan was important for me, well, what, what experience I wanted to get out of doing the jam. And, uh, you know, I, I still look back at it as a good experience. I want to do it again. Uh, I just had to find a free weekend that, that corresponds to a game jam. <laughs> That's actually a good point with finding, figuring out what experience you want, because I find that every game jam I do, it's like, this time I'm working on, I'm going to focus on gameplay. This time I'm going to focus on sound. This time I'm going to focus on art, you know, and that directs me in how I want to spend my time. And that can be, that was kind of where I was going to go too, is that, we talk about just making the game is a success, just completing the game. That doesn't have to be your goal. Uh, one of the game jams where I failed to make a game was I want to deeply dive into Blender and 3D um, and get this modeling stuff up. And I had been working at it before that. You know, it's not a, that's not a try to start in the weekend. Um, but even like after the experience I had, it was still too much to complete the game. But that's okay, because my point going in that weekend was I want to get some really heavy experience now into this. I just don't want to keep going through a tutorial and make a thing in the tutorial now. I want to, like, come, I got my own idea. I'm going to try to make my own thing. Can I do that yet? Um, and can I do it fast enough that it's something I could do in a game jam? And that could totally be a thing. Like, if you just want to, like, push yourself and, like, I just really want to get animated sprites figured out, you know? That's really what I'm after. So I'm going to make... Something basic that allows me to get that done. I don't even care if I finish the game. I just want to get some animated sprites going, and that can be your point for diving in. You don't have to be so lofty as to say, I'm going to make a good game. And the worst thing you can ever do is say, I'm going to, I'm going to make a good game. All right? Because it's probably not going to be a good game, no matter what you do. It may have the idea of a good game in it, but it's going to take many iterations to polish it up and get there. So you're going to make a terrible game. And just accept that going in um, and allow yourself to fail is going to make things a lot easier um, for completing it. I think the other thing that I would advise on is find a tool set that fits your background and your knowledge. If you're really just art heavy and, and you don't have a coding background, there's a framework out there called RenPy. Um, it's backed in Python, but it's made for visual novels and dating sims. But you just drop in art assets and create your visual novel with it, um, and then just write a little script, and it does the rest. You know, you have a game, you have a save system, you have a load system. Uh, RPG Maker is the same way. It makes RPGs. And you don't have to do a whole lot to get a basic RPG up and running. You can just drop that in. Don't worry about the rest. 
You know, if that's well, your thing that you're coming in. Even Game Maker that he uses is a, it's kind of a drag and drop. You got to be able to do your art assets somewhere else, but you just pull them in and then it's all like, I want to have a move mechanism. So you drag it over and you wire it up and you don't even really have scripting you have to do. Yeah, there's an next one that's going to mention ones like Game Maker where they have a drag and drop interface. If you have some knowledge of programming but don't want to get deep into it or don't really want to learn the whole game framework, then Game Maker is great because it's really simple. And you can do a Game Maker tutorial in a night and then make a fairly competent game out of it. And um, Unity has an add-on tool called Playmaker, which I like using a lot. I actually did a talk here last year about using Playmaker, but you do everything in states, and it really reduces the amount of code that you have to write. But if you're a programmer, there's also a ton of frameworks, Unity, Monogame, um, Pygame, that it's all code. And sometimes for a programmer, that's better than having this drag-and-drop wig tool because we sort of rebel against that. So, you know, sometimes it's like, I just want to see my code. Just, uh, you know, this is a whole system I don't want to learn. Where's the code? So go for that. Your advice? Uh, yeah, so first time doing a game jam, I recommend, or even making a game in general, if you've never created a game, make something simple. Maybe pick a game that you like, like Pac-Man or Tetris, and try to create that on your own. But if you're doing this for a game jam, put your own spin on it. I create one of the game jams I wanted to make like a lemons game, so I created lemons in Unity. But I put my own spin on it. I created a game called Monster Hotel. So I basically replaced the lemons with little monsters like Frankenstein, Wolfman, and Dracula and things like that. Uh, only other recommendations, don't take the feedback too seriously. There's good and bad feedback. You'll probably get a lot of, oh, yeah, I'll, you should have done this this way, or I would have done it this way. So, yeah, just take that for what it's worth. And use Game Jams as a chance to promote yourself and your skills, get your name out there. And I wouldn't recommend doing a team-based jam for your first time unless you're with a group that you've worked with before. I think finding a group helps. Like, you know, we, we meet monthly, and that kind of helps work it up. to We discuss topics and everything of creating games. But we've never created a game together. Yeah, so we haven't. Yeah. Kind of, it's but we, more of a, a support group yeah. of just, like, helping us continue to, to instead of a support group that encouraged you to break the bad habit we're all just no 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 keep doing it keep keep doing this um all right is there any um questions shout out questions you want we got about 10 minutes nine minutes left obviously i have to cut this pretty close i got a lot of equipment to tear down before the next speaker gets in um and get out of their way anyone So um, the question is, what tools and what tools do you recommend for a game jam? Um, uh, well, the big caveat of like what your experience is. So I, I think we'll just interpret that as a personal perspective. So we're not trying to like broadly. And for me, the important thing for the tool uh, on a game jam is, does it have a web player of some kind? Because these are little one-off games Nobody wants to download random EXEs and run them on their computer. And I'll get a lot more feedback and a lot more plays if I can run it on the web. Now, Unity um, has a plugin that's very powerful, but unfortunately, it's a plugin and that's evil now. I mean, we block those in most browsers. It also has an HTML5 export, which works okay, but it's not really Unity's fault. Um, 
there's, there's this great myth that HTML5 and WebGL are there, and they're not. A fun fact is most browsers will only give WebGL 256 megs of RAM to work with. That's not a lot, okay? You're not having a main crazy game experience uh, in there. I've had to streamload and discard 2D images in a 2D game just to get that to work. But you could do a lot with that. But yeah, that's my number one thing is platform reach. Um, since I'm a little bit more experienced with a lot of tools for me, um, is that I can get something out there anybody's going to be able to grab. Plus, Unity also allows desktop builds for Windows, Mac, and Linux. These can all be built from Windows. Um, iOS, you need a Mac to deploy from. That's kind of Apple's rules. But building a Mac executable, a desktop or a laptop Mac executable, you can build in Windows. I don't even test these anymore. I just build them from Windows, upload the binaries, and they work. So they have that really down pat, and that's really nice to be able to say, whatever your platform is, you can play my game. Because developers a lot of time tend to have favorite platforms, okay? When you become a game developer, you have a favorite game all of a sudden. You have a game that gets traction. Now you care about every platform because it's harder to come up with a successful game than it is to port to Windows Phone, right? So take your good game concept and put it on everything. Levi? Uh, so when I think of tools, I mean, there's different classes of tools. Like, you got your game engine, like, I think typically we mostly do Unity. But then you have your art tools. I use, like, GIMP, which is a free and open source replacement for Photoshop. I also do some Inkscape uh, if I'm doing, like, 3D or 2D vector art. Then music tools. I usually do GarageBand, but I have used another tool called PX Tone, which is a free program for Windows. A little bit difficult to use on the interface. But uh, then for sound effects, I think a lot of us use BFXR. BFXR. You like, can pop that in Google. That is an amazing site for generating sound effects. You can almost pick out like a program that uses BFXR sound effects in it. And, uh, yeah, that's basically... I also use Open Broadcaster for live streaming my development sessions and uh, also Virtual Dub for doing the time-lapse videos. Yeah, we mentioned the live streaming and the recording. Um, we broadcast on Twitch anytime you want. Anytime you're curious, go to Twitch, hit the creative section. Okay, Twitch Creative is nothing but people making assets for games or creating art or programming. And so you can almost always find somebody streaming, game jam or not, game development. And a lot of times they'll just chat with you while they're doing it. So you want to talk to them about the tool they're using and why they did it this way. That's a great place to hang out. Um, I would kind of say the same things. I use Unity. Honestly, though, if... If you learn on Game Maker or Stencil or some of these other tools that we've talked about, a lot of the same concepts transfer over. You're going to have to learn a completely new you know, interface, but the, the general concepts of building a game transfer. Um, other than that, I tend to use GIMP for my art, uh, Audacity for recording, BFXR for sound effects. I think that's pretty much it. I think you use like Krita or something. I tried using Krita. I really need to practice with it before I do it because I wasn't happy with how they turned out from my last jam. Another interesting tool for game jams is a program called Make Human. And it's a 3D character model creator that works like any character creator in the game. You know, so you launch up Dragon Age and it's like pick your race and, and pick your height and your weight except when you get done what you have is a 3D model that you could bring into your own game 
rather than you having to open up Blender and learn how to model a human, you can go in there, um, pick their clothing. There's some open source add-ons for it that you can find to add that stuff, and that's really great. And they'll come in rigged for animation as well. There's another good 3D tool, called, which I've used a couple of times, called Sculptra. So you can also do yes. those organic-type models and export those, I think, into FBX. How about you, Jacob? Game maker? <laughs> Sorry, I got lost in thought for a second. Um, what do you use for your graphics? I don't know you use Game Maker for development. For graphics, I used to use Tile Studio, but now on my computer, I don't really have that, and I don't. I forgot. I keep forgetting to get to grab that. I kind of just use the in-game sprite editor to kind of make all my. I've been making all my sprites using the in-game sprite editor. Which is like about any editor that you can use. It's just within the game, so like you can make your own sprites in them. Like, it just depends on, like, it just, you can make your own sprites. It's, like, very interesting of how it works. If you're going to get Game Maker, uh, definitely shop around for a while. They have sales that you can get it super cheap. Um, I think we're at it for 15 bucks or something like that. But you go look at their website, it's, like, $200, so you really got to shop the sales. Uh, I see now. You can actually get, like, a simpler, just, no, you can just get the game. You can just, not game, you can just get the, stupid. It's, the thing itself with nothing on it would be free, so on Steam you can get it for free, but everything else you'd have to pay for. Yeah, my one complaint on Game Maker would be you have to pay for the HTML5 exporter. Um, and I wish that was free. Um, and that they charge for like iOS and Android and things like that. Um, but definitely look around if you're going to um, use a game engine that charges. Uh, because they go on sale constantly. In fact, we mentioned earlier, LuddenDare.com, uh, they go on sale a lot in sync with those game jams. Um, in fact, it's gotten to the point where LuddenDare usually has a deals page just to list all of the game engine sites. And I've learned about a couple new engines that way of like, well, this thing's on sale. What, what is this? You know, let me go check it out. All right, so um, I think we're at time and we need to wrap it up. I uh, appreciate everyone for coming out and sitting in and listening to us talk about our experiences on Game Jams. Uh, we have a podcast. Information is at knoxgamedesign.org. And if everything came out in this recording, this will be up there. And if it didn't, well, then it won't. And you guys got to see <laughs> bespoke content that you will never see again. Thank you for coming out.